Welcome to the High Frequency Females podcast. I'm Tiana Walker and I want to thank you for tuning in and as always thank you for taking the time for yourself. If you're here on this journey with us it's because you want to raise your vibration and live the life you want and the life that you deserve. With that in mind it means we all need to heal face our shadow selves and educate ourselves so we can become the people we've always wanted to be. This podcast is a collaboration of inspiring and empowering women and human beings who will help us along in our journey. I'm not going to pretend I'm perfect because I'm on this journey with you and I'm going to keep it real as I know I'll screw things up along the way with you. And hey, we're all human, right? Well, I guess we're all spiritual beings having a human experience, but hey, that's woo-woo for you. This space is completely free of judgment and is full of acceptance and healing. So take what you need, leave what you don't, and enjoy the High Frequency Females podcast. Hello, all you high-frequency females and human beings. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. Now, I have Melinda Forsyth, a director of a key executive transition, well-being and career coaching specialist who supports the top 100 ASX. Melinda is a keen advocate of gender equality for both men and women. Now, full disclosure, Melinda is my auntie and a pivotal human being in my life. She is an inspirational world traveler of a woman and we just have a discussion about equality and the genders and what that looks like uh, from both sides. And, you know, the stereotypes of, you know, stay-at-home mums and stay-at-home dads and what that looks like for men who choose to stay as stay-at-home dads. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay. Hello, all you high-frequency females. Thank you for joining me today. Obviously, you heard from the intro about what today is about. And full disclosure, this guest is also (laughs) my auntie. And it is going to be quite difficult for me to call her Melinda because I've never called her Melinda before. (laughs) Well, welcome, auntie. (laughs) Thank you, Tiana. I know I feel like I should be calling you Tia Maria or TJ or all the things I used to call you when you were a little kid. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. You know, you've been a true inspiration in my life and definitely a pillar of strength of what a female is and how powerful I could be as a woman in today's society. I know over the years you've travelled the world and I grew up wanting, I'm going to be just like my auntie. So a huge thank you to that. Oh, you're sweet. No, thank you. Um, I still have the guilt for leaving you when you were three. (laughs) It was terrible. But anyway, yeah. And I tried to be a nanny a couple of times when I was, and I was like, well, I would rather go home and be with my niece and nephew. Because obviously we're the coolest, so obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I know that you've travelled the world. Your Mm -hmm. mind is open to everything that's going on in the world um, from, you know, the Queen passing away being that you lived in in England and London and got to see the world as well as living in capital cities, regional North Queensland and so your mind is quite open and your heart is open to what's happening in today's society, especially when it comes 
to being a female, feminist and equality. So I'd love to explore what that means for you. Mm. Um, well, equality to me means, um, well, what it is, both men and women should be able to access uh, equivalent roles um, and be valued and respected for those roles. Uh, I think, you know, my, my view at the moment is that there's too much focus on um, women in CEO roles. Um, I obviously work with uh, CEOs and executives in transition, um, probably see more men than women. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there's value that we put on. And having had my own children late as well, so having had a, a fairly... Um, uh, you know, established career and then having children in my 40s and then not feeling valued and having people say, oh, when are you going back to work? When, when are you going back to work? And saying, well, you know, and, and people's eyes would glaze over when I would say, well, I don't know if I want to go back to work. And that, no one could understand that. And um, so that sort of really got me thinking around, well, what value do we place on these different roles? And how can we talk about women in CEO roles if we're not talking about men who choose to um, do the parenting role. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that, uh, especially I live in regional North Queensland currently. I used to live in a capital city, Brisbane. But like in North Queensland, it's almost in reverse when a lot of women stay home. So it's very strange <laughs> for women who do want to re-enter the workforce because here in in country Queensland, you essentially stay a stay-at-home mum till your kids are pretty much halfway through school. Yes. And, I, I mean, I grew up fighting that as well because, as you know, we um, I grew up in Gladstone uh, and I was cracking my neck to get out because that was my lot. Um, I remember going to my school counsellor um, when I was 15 and I said oh, I wanted to be an, an anthropologist or an archaeologist and they said, ah, oh, what about a nurse or a receptionist? But not saying there's anything wrong with that, but when you're boxed and pigeonholed and and, and really it was like you're going to be that till you get married and have kids and then, hey, but forget it, you know, forget anything else that you're going to do. Yeah. And, yeah. and that goes back to what you said about what we hold value in. Oh. You know, being a CEO of a company, to me, that's the same value as being a stay-at-home mum. And mm. it goes back to what we said, you know, prior to pressing the record button, is because of money. We hold mm. it high, like a CEO's position more important than a stay-at-home mum, like mum because of, or stay-at-home dad, because mm. of, money yeah and so and the gender pay gap is a big big thing there i mean you want to get more everybody on equal pay and that should be that should actually be really simple because i was talking to a ceo the other night at a function that we held and he he agreed and they they actually did they looked at it and they said this is unacceptable we're just going to change it but you've got to get the board on board and i suppose i mean that's why we have it's good that we're having conversations about it um, but I think, and I suppose you need to have more women on board to, to keep that ground. Cause I think, you know, throughout history, things ebb and flow. So you do need to have balance. Um, but if you don't, if women, if there's 80% of women say, I actually really want to stay at home, 
and when I talk to a lot of my friends, they don't want to go back to they, they they want to work, they want to be valued, they want to do something interesting, but they don't want to be a CEO. Yeah. But half the men don't want to be a CEO either. But it's the value that we place on it, and you're almost made to feel guilty if you don't want to strive or you're not you're not holding up the feminist ideal if you don't want to strive for those things, even if you're capable of it. So I have it. to say I'm quite guilty of it myself, uh, probably more so my younger self is because I didn't have children, it wasn't my mission in life to just get married and have kids, mm-hmm. which if that's what you choose, that's amazing. But at my t- that time, I didn't understand why women just wanted to stay in their positions and didn't want to grow. And that's, I guess, at that time in my life, I saw value in that. I saw value in like, okay, you've got to keep progressing until you can go no further. And I looked down on those people of being like, why? And at the end of the day, that's not their goal in life. And I think with (laughs) growing older, I am like, okay, it's not about the money. It's not (laughs) about, you know, the position you hold and, and what I hold valuable within myself and what I mm. value. So mm. when now when I see people that are in those positions where they're a stay-at-home mum or, you know, they're doing reception, they're doing that because they love that. Mm. And I'm so jealous of that. Well, it, I, and I think it comes down to the power of purpose, mm. you know, because if you, and this again comes down to all the messages that we get about what is purposeful, um, you can be purposeful um, holding uh, any job, it doesn't matter what it is. You're you're part of something. Um, so, you know, even as a stay-at-home mum, when I was a stay-at-home mum, so I gave up work. I did a bit of consulting, but I gave up work pretty much for the better part of ten years. But you can be really powerful and very influential in your community. So I started joining um, different community groups, probably because I was a little bit bored, I guess, but at, not at the beginning, but towards as the children got older. But And I think that's what we're missing too is the contribution that men and women can make, should they be um, primary carer to the community and, in, in, and as activists and advocates for different things that can make our society better. That's my concern is that we're focusing too much on, um, you know, women in CEO roles when it should be about contribution, whether you're a man or a woman. Yes. Um, And and even going back to what you said earlier about getting pay equality, like, and it's the board members getting them on board. What do you think it would take to get board members and employers to really think about that and make those changes? Well, I, I think you have to have your, your movers and shakers or the people who are out there who are activists and advocates. I mean, they, you've got to have them because then nothing would change. But I think... Um, I think what we don't want to do is also devalue people who are um, push back a little bit because we've got to have a balance. You don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And I think, you know, we talked about the Queen and I'm an unashamed monarchist, although I haven't always been. I've, You know, this is the thing. I've ebbed and flowed, um, started as one, then changed my mind and have gone back to being a monarchist. But um I think, you know, people like, say, the Queen, they they hold a 
place in society and now King Charles, which is to be consistency and stability. But you, yeah, you will have your people who come along and want to shake things up, and and that's great. But as long as they don't feel, hello, hello, uh, my niece, your your no, your um cousin just walked in. But <laughs> but as long as we um, you know, uh, lost my train of thought now. Sorry. Well, with the royal family, you know, especially with the women that have married into that family um you know starting at princess diana and how she shook up the monarch and what she did for the community even Mm -hmm. after you know she divorced charles you know that like she's a person that created a huge impact i still remember when i was 11 year old crying at watching her funeral yeah, and I was eleven when she got married. So um, I actually, I actually made little invitation, fake invitations to myself to go to the wedding. But um, I think, and you know, the funny thing about Diana, all that she really wanted to be initially was a mum, yeah. a mum and a wife. And I think the dynamic there is different. It, it, her, her, the way she dealt with, you know, being in a in a marriage that wasn't um, great was then to, um, you know, give to others in a way just to make herself feel better. Um, but, yeah, she, we need these people in, our, in history to move us forward, but I don't think their role is to necessarily always be there as the leader in making those decisions. Yeah. Uh, same with Meghan Markle. She's obviously come along. Um, and there's a big cultural divide at the moment if you're in, in Camp Cape Middleton or Camp, Camp Cambridge or Camp Sussex. Um, you know, there'll be people who are saying, oh, well, we should be calling out racism, we should be calling out this. And I don't necessarily think um, the people who've had their uh, been called out as racist necessarily are. I mean, I think in all aspects of society, we have biases. There might be bias, un, unhidden biases, but um, uh, you know, racism, racism is a something you know entirely different and very ugly. I don't necessarily think know if we're dealing with that um, in this case. But you've got to have those people pushing buttons and moving us forward. But um, I don't think I'd want them in a position of leadership or responsibility yeah, to def- make decisions. Definitely. Yeah. And I guess that goes back to even the American election of what Donald Trump did. Mm. You know, yeah. he did shake a lot of things up and stirred a lot of things up. Yeah. And then the movements that happened after he left, especially with, you know, equality in terms of, you know, the female body. Mm. And that yeah. is huge. And it's something that was has rippled over the whole world and how that decision will affect governments all over the world. Mm. Yeah. You know, no, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's interesting with um yeah, with Donald Trump and women. That's a yeah, a whole different thing. But yeah, you got you know, it's it was a shame, I mean, because everybody thought with Obama um coming in, it was just like a step up again. Um, and then you go backwards, and that's what's so fascinating about society is these swings and roundabouts that we have. Um, and it's almost sometimes these, um, I won't say antichrist, but these people come and you kind of need them in order to get people to rise up and say, hang on a minute, no way, we're not going to deal with that. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, well, I'm a swinging voter. 
here in Australia. Uh, I'm a sweet and I'm yeah. naughty as much as well your parents and you know Nana hates yeah. that I I'm a swinger. <laughs> not yeah. not in the sexy way, but no. in the political <laughs> way. And that's what I used to do before Poppy had his stroke. I'd actually call them up and ask them, okay, <laughs> I'd done my research and they would have to give me their point of views of who I would vote for. They would both get on phone separately yeah. and discuss who I needed to vote for. Yeah. Um but that's because I look at the policies, I look mm-hmm. at what who I'm voting for. And yeah. you know, sometimes the party I would normally go with are doing things that I that goes against my values and what mm-hmm. I believe in. And so for me, voting is a very stressful because I don't just vote for a party. No, yeah. And I know we're not supposed to talk about politics, but I'm a swinging voter, so I like to hear both sides. Yeah, I, and I'm the same. I'm a, I'm a bit of a swinger as well. <laughs> um, and, you know, sometimes you vote not for someone you would normally vote for, but it's almost like in protest. It's the only way you get someone's attention. Um, so, yeah, we need those those people. But uh, we've probably gone off a bit of, off topic, I guess, on that, that idea of equality. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess you need, again, what we're saying is you need those um catalyst type people to push back mm-hmm. um so you can push it back against them and we hopefully eventually meet higher ground but there's definitely casualties in in doing that you know and and I said to you before we went um on air we started recording that you know and back to that sense of purpose and your sense of value in who you are I think sometimes you've got to say well you know, I'm not going to be that. And I know, I knew I was never going to be a CEO. I don't toe the line well. I don't tie the, I, I, you know, I just, I'm not interested in towing the company line necessarily. Um, and so I know what my value is. I know where I fit. And the work I do in career coaching with executives, it's really important for them to understand because I have quite a few women and men saying, I want to achieve the CEO role. I want a C-suite role. But what, part of the coaching that I do with them is really saying, well, what are you going to have to give up to, to achieve that? And are you prepared to give that up? Um, and same with being an activist or an act, uh, uh, more of an activist than an advocate. I think advocacy is a little bit softer than an activist. That's my opinion. But if you are going to go and be an activist, then you've got to um, be prepared to pay, maybe, you know, get into some scuffles and some fights. And um, you're probably never going to be in a leadership or a position where you're going to make a decision. I think Peter Garrett, you know, he was always great as a musician, but when he joined the Labor Party, he was more of an activist as a musician, joined the Labor Party, and he was kind of neutered. Um, So because he thought, I'll join them and I'll get some um, influence. But, uh, yeah, there is a price to pay for everything, every decision. But that's why you've got to be true to your purpose and your values, I think, when you make those choices. And because Mm. you do deal with a lot of um, um, Mm ex-CEOs in the industry, you know, what are their takeaways after, you know, being a CEO? What comes next? Where do you go? Well, where do you go? Um, After being a CEO, most of them go into consulting uh, and most of them um, 
would or some keep going as CEOs some really love it um, and they'll go back into those CEO roles but a lot of them go into consulting and um, or have what we call portfolio careers where they'll do a bit of consulting they'll be doing some board work and and things like that but interestingly you know when you talk to some CEOs particularly um, and whether it's men or women, I, I don't know. But the ones I've spoken to, again, are predominantly men. And they say the biggest thing they wish they'd done has, has, would have been to be more present for their children. So not necessarily um, spending a lot more time, but being present when they were with their children rather than, you know, do, reading a story in bed, but actually looking at their phone and waiting for that call that they've got to get on at 11 o'clock or something like and thinking I shouldn't be here, I should be preparing for this meeting. Um, and say, you know, this is the thing when I talk to women who say I'd like to be in a C-suite role, um, but I've got children. Now, the ones that I've been, have been very successful, you know, they have husbands who will be primary carer. Yeah. So the husband, it's inter- It's really interesting. I, you very rarely see two high-powered CEOs in a relationship um, because one eventually has to um, take some sort of primary caring role. Um, and even, you know, we, we have this conversation about, oh, more women in CEO roles, we need better childcare to get make that happen. I don't I don't think that's the case at all. Maybe in some cases, I think we need better childcare for the women out there who have no choice but to work. Yes. If you're a CEO, you make a choice to be a CEO, you should be able to pay for your own childcare. I'm sorry, but... Yeah, definitely. Sweet. When you're getting paid the amount, uh, <laughs> definitely. Um, you know, um, quality childcare should be for the men and women who have no choice but to do two jobs to, in order to pay the mortgage. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but they can't replace familial love and attention, Yeah, um, I don't think. Um but it's got to be quality too. And that's the interesting takeaway I had from a recent CEO circle forum that I ran is that you don't have to be there all the time, but it has to be quality time and someone has to be there and present who's actually part of that family in some way, whether it's a grandparent or a parent or an aunt or uncle or something. Now that that you're back in the corporate world, how do you feel now your dynamic in your personal relationship? Uh, Well, we decided that, you know, this is just something that we value. I guess it comes back to values, um, is that we would do a swap. So my husband's um, Mick, who you know, um, he's decided to be a stay-at-home dad you know, and, you know, he's really enjoying it because he was quite burnt out from being in corporate himself. Um, But, yeah, that's, I'm loving it. I mean, I'm loving being back. And that's probably another point. You know, we talk about um, women reaching the C-suite. I think if we can um, honour what women do when they stay at home and raise children and how they contribute to a community and giving them options to do that, and more options for flexibility and respect for men and women who decide to stay at home for a time and then transition back into the workforce. I think we need to be doing more to recognise that. And companies are. I know that 
I'm pretty sure the banks, the big banks are actually doing a lot of work now in getting women and mainly women who've decided to stay at home back into the workforce. And I think if we can start doing more around helping people um, create career strategies and how to develop a career strategy um, and proactively manage it, I think women can, and men, I keep saying women, but men um, can be in the workforce, leave it for a period of time and then come back into it and actually join us, be in the C-suite if that's what they want to do. Um, but, yeah, you've got to have the conversation and you've just got to value both experiences. I think I've I probably have grown more as a stay-at-home mum and going through so many emotional, you know, emotions and learning to manage people better just by being a stay-at-home mum. I'm a better leader because of it. Yeah. yeah, and you pretty much answered the question I was about to <laughs> ask is, you know, even when you've gone from a stay-at-home mum now into back into the corporate world, mm-hmm. you know, what changes do you see in, in yourself as a leader? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. I'm, I'm more focused on I can – I feel like I'm more capable of seeing – bringing people together, being more collaborative. I was very, very much focused on myself, I think, in my early 30s and my way was the right way. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm i a lot more humble <laughs> than I used to be. Um, and I think that's a good thing too, uh, yeah. to be a bit more humble and listen more and talk less. Yeah, Not that I'm t- doing that at the moment. <laughs> But like you said, you need to have those conversations to create change, which is yeah. super important. Yeah. And I look, I and the other thing too, you know, I was like you when I was in my 30s. I didn't have a lot of uh, understanding for I, I wanted to be a mum. I actually did want to be a mum. But I never, you know, when I was actually building my career, I, would, I did look down a little bit on women who wanted to have, I didn't look down, but I was like, oh, you want to have children, well, that's, you know, and you're, oh, I need to leave early. And I'd be like, oh, really? <laughs> Which is <laughs> so bad. Um, but that's why I think, you know, going through life and having these different experiences, it teaches you. And I think you don't want to be one of these people who pretend, you know, pretend that you were came out fully formed with all these wonderful, compassionate ideas. I mean, we all go through stages where we maybe uh, aren't very nice or we we have ideas that aren't right. And I think as you get older, you realise you were wrong or you realise you could have done something different or better. But so now I really champion women. I mean, I I've love bringing women back into the workforce after they've had children. My team is at the moment is um, people who are returning to work. But I feel really passionate, passionately about men in the workforce too because I think there I know a lot of men who would love to be stay-at-home dads or at least the primary carer and working part-time. But they get... Um, I know when I've been picking up my children when I was a stay-at-home mum and we'd see a stay-at-home dad picking up the kids, women would say, oh, mustn't be able to get a job or, oh, he's, mm, I wonder what's wrong with him. You know, this is true. This is real conversation that I have heard and that also got me really riled up about this whole equality thing because how can we bang on about women 
and not care, you know, have any concern for men and how they must be feeling if they wanted to take those roles. You know, and like I said, a lot of the C women who are CEOs who I know, um, they actually have their husbands do take the primary carer role. They'll do the pickups, the drop-offs. They might work, they might do something, but they are still there for the children more than, say, she is because she just can't be if you're a CEO. Yeah, and I guess that goes back to seeing value in being a stay-at-home mum and mm. you know and working but I'm actually quite shocked that um those women were actually saying they don't he mustn't have a job there must be I yeah. that just angered me a little bit there well yeah I feel really really and like even my husband it's difficult because um he you know I still have to do a lot of the socializing of the of the kids because uh it's really difficult for him, he feels very uncomfortable. And a lot of women, like going up, hey, come over my place, you know, we'll get the kids together. A lot of women go, uh-uh, no, that's too weird. Yeah. It, so we've got, we're socially engineered in a way to, you know, to be mistrustful of a stay-at-home dad um, or not, just not comfortable with it. Um, so it makes it very difficult for them and it's very isolating yeah. for men as well and that the other then that brings me to my other little point too about equality is you know we we we've got a huge rate of suicide and i think i know a lot more men than women are committing suicide and you know when i'm doing career transition for some of these executives when we sit down and we do say a psychometric assessment and we look at what they really value these guys don't actually want to be in these jobs. They don't, they, they're there because of expectations that that's what I should do to be successful. That's what I have to do to provide for my family. Um, now, and some of them, when they decide to pull the pin and go, you know what, I don't want this life anymore. Um, they have those who have supportive partners and children that's fabulous that's great for them and I actually do some spousal support too as part of what we do because it is a transition for the spouse and the children when um, the primary earner decides they don't want to earn as much anymore as a CEO but if you uh, but then there are guys that I see and I say guys because it's mostly men whose partners are horrified of this idea of them letting go of this big job because they that's they expect that the children will be in private school, all of them. They expect that they'll have all this beautiful big house and cars and the respect of their, you know, their social set. So to, I think there's a huge um, weight on primary earners if they are men because some of these men actually don't want to do it. Yeah. And I, I think with, women... Yeah, yeah sorry, go just with the, saying that, you know, with suicide rates and everything, mm. they don't have as much support, I feel... As women, because we are highly emotional, we express mm -hmm. our feelings where men not necessarily like to express their emotions or their mm -hmm. weaknesses. So therefore, people don't see the value in helping aid or create support for them. Yeah. yeah like a lot right. of people don't even realise the statistics of the no. amount of men that commit suicide and it does go back to the pressures that we Put on the primary breadwinner to create yeah. a lifestyle and anything less than we then see them as less than mm, yeah and we get to talk we do talk a lot more that you know women are 
um, talkers and communicators and and so it's easier for us I think to find support and you know I, I'm an amateur anthropologist and I, I do think it goes back to our caveman days where you know the men would have to go out and hunt and gather oh not hunt and gather but hunt and the women our value was really on almost political and maneuvering and finding out well who is the most powerful tribe which tribe was there what tribe what's that tribe doing over there you know that's what we do um so it's interesting yeah how it plays out in the modern world but yeah I do think if we're going to talk equality for women we've got to talk equality for men I think we need to see it as uh instead of male and female but equality of humankind Mm. yeah rather than create that I think as soon as you start to talk about equality for like male and female there's no balance Mm, no, I, no like, I agree. One rule for all, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and support for all, you know, and this understanding that if you choose to make a tra- transition or you choose to take on a role that isn't society's natural inclination to accept you in that role, that you're going to need support. And if that's women going into senior executive roles or men deciding to be primary carer, they both need um, similar support. But I've said this to, you know, I've said this to, say, a 35-year-old woman recently and she just said to me, oh, fuck men. What? No, I don't thank you. <laughs> so, excuse my French, I don't usually swear. But, oh, no, that's not true. I do, but not on air. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I swear all the time on here, so yeah. it's absolutely yeah. acceptable here at High Frequency Females okay. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, so I hear all these things and I'm just like, oh, gosh, that's, you know, just so with and there's so much talk about compassion and yet I'm just I just feel like we're not showing compassion because there's talk of it but it's more about hey show compassion to me rather than showing compassion to other people um so I'd like to that would be nice if we saw more of that but since COVID you know there's a lot more dads picking up and that's really broken um some boundaries as well so you know you hope that's a good thing to come out of it as well. Well, I see like COVID there has been like, you know, the great resignation, like Mm -hmm. people are finding it hard to employ people that were once held by full-time roles because I know a lot of people here in Cairns, they've got so used to a lifestyle of only working part-time, they've realised that they can actually sustain their lifestyle on a a small wage but live a life of more freedom and and so much more of the things they love so mm-hmm. you know it is I know where I'm I work my full-time job we're finding it quite difficult to find employees but people are wanting to do reduced hours they're wanting to work remotely mm-hmm. and so are you finding that with a lot of people in your industry yeah I mean we have trouble too we can't get full-time people so I've had to split a full-time role into a part-time role just so everyone gets a bit of balance um I think and it's called uh, there's something I'm not sure if you've heard of it called quiet quitting yes I have yes (laughs) so people wanting to work um less or just not doing the 70 hours they're going to do their 40 hours which is what they get paid for which I think is good I think we yeah, this rah-rah business is just, we don't need that. 
Well, that uh, goes back to, you know, we've always been told that, you know, to do amazing in, in your job, you have to be there half an hour before. You have to go mm, above and mm. beyond in your role. But the higher you go, the more your boss or your manager will expect of you. So when you do go back to your quiet quitting or doing what's mm. as expected of you, it's, you know, you're only doing what's in your position description or role description. But mm. it's almost like, well, you're not performing. And it's like, oh, yeah. actually, I am. It's I'm just doing I'm doing my job with, you know, people are getting that balance back. It's almost mm. like a power struggle between corporate. Mm. Yeah. You, I, I don't know. I, what are your thoughts? It's, well, um, I know the corporates are a funny, funny beast, the big ones. A lot of the big ones are quite good to work for you know I know we get people coming out of some you know top ASX listed companies who wouldn't leave um, because they get such good benefits and they're actually quite good at and concerned about equality and making sure things are equal only because people have been rattling the cages for a few decades but it's good that they're listening and and things like that um, it's probably more the middle. I think it's middle to smaller businesses where oh, that that's that could be happening where you don't have as many, you don't have proper HR systems in place. Yeah. I think that's yeah. where it gets a little bit nasty. I think it's um, when the lines are a little bit more blurred and there's no clear mm-hmm. expectations of because I know I've worked with a big corporate, which, you know, the company, I won't say it on air, but, you know, their HR team was so amazing that, you know, if you weren't logging your lunch breaks, they'll be like, why aren't you taking your lunch breaks? You yeah. work this amount of overtime and will pick up because they are all about work-life balance. Mm. So yeah. I get what you're coming from being that it is that middle. Yeah. But there's no doubt that if you want to reach the upper echelons, you're going to have to work hard way and above. Yes. You pay, you know, you get a salary and that's it. You have to, you want to get somewhere, you've got to, you know, I won't say what they used to say at News Corp, you've got to get, to get ahead, you've got to give a little ahead. Yeah. But. <laughs> but I guess that goes back into what you value. People are valuing yeah. quality of life. People are valuing spending that quality time with their children. And yeah. then those see value in what they do as a job, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, I, yeah, uh, I know we've got to have these conversations about quotas, perhaps. But, um, you know, e- equally, I, I know I was working with an executive recently who basically got told don't go for don't go for that c-suite role it's going to a woman okay so don't even bother so and that that's good but that's heartbreaking for him because there's not a lot of c-suite roles um so i see the individual impact of all of these quotas um and yeah it's interesting yeah so interesting so Mm. as we wrap up today have you got any last words you would love to add Only if you're going to talk about compassion, mm-hmm. talk about compassion for others, do it in action rather than constantly asking for compassion for yourself. Uh, and on just value the roles that everybody plays in society um, and people whom they may not be getting a pay packet but they can be influential through their community groups, through charities, through anything they choose to do. So... I think if we can start recognising 
everybody's value to society and what is not more valuable than raising the next generation and instilling the right values in those people uh, but that's that's probably what I'd say amazing mm. and I have one last question that I love to blindside all my guests <laughs> with is okay. what would you tell your younger self to Oh, to have more stickability, to not, um, yeah, to that your way isn't the right way all the time, but just and stick, just have more stickability, not not jump ship too soon, um, because you don't think they're doing it the right way. You 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 lead, you lead, yeah. Just listen more, listen more, listen more. Yeah. Lovely. Now, where can our high-frequency females and human beings find you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn under Mel Forsyth. Um, I do have a couple of Instagram handles. I think one is Mel Forsyth Coaching. Um, so they can, if they type in Mel Forsyth, they'll find a couple of me's in there. Lovely. And mm. I'll put all of the links in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining no, me today. You. I love and appreciate you endlessly. So thank oh, you. Thank you. And you too. Yeah, no, you're great. You're wonderful. And we're so proud of um, seeing you grow and um, all the things that you're doing with this podcast. It's fabulous. So thank no, you. you're wonderful. Yeah, I just wish Granny could see it, but I'm sure she can. She definitely can. I, I feel her all the time and she's probably telling me to shut up because I talk to her too much. <laughs> actually, I could actually see her giggling on the sofa right here. I'm sure, I'm sure she is watching nice. us. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all the listeners and I can't wait for you to connect with Melinda, a.k.a. Auntie, on all her <laughs> socials. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Diana. <laughs>